0: Hollywood gets political, Trump takes on Jay-Z, and we'll bring you the latest on immigration. Plus, I have some talk about the Federalist Paper and many other thoughts on various items it's sundry. Ben Shapiro Show. Oh, the Grammys, where all of Hollywood apparently wants Donald Trump reelected, really, really, really badly because they're just going to shove in their face how annoying and political they are in every conceivable way. Don't worry, we'll get to every aspect of this bloviating horror show in just a second. First, I wanna say thank you to our sponsors over at Birch Gold. So does any of this make you think the world is going to end? Well, if the world were going to end, you'd wanna have some of your money in precious metals because that's pretty much the only thing that'll survive an economic apocalypse. One of the nice things about precious metals, they've never been worth zero. Also, they are great hedges against inflation and uncertainty in times of risk. That's why my friends at Birch Gold Group have been working with tons of people for tons of years. Birch Gold Group, long standing record of track a track record of continued success with thousands of satisfied clients, countless five star reviews and A plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and right now they will give you a free information kit on how you invest in precious metals. This comprehensive 16 page kit shows how gold and silver can protect your savings, how you can legally move your IRA or 401k out of stocks and bonds into a precious metals IRA. To get that no-cost, no-obligation kit, go to www.birchgold.com Ben. That's birchgold.com Ben. Again, you know, the stock market's doing really well right now, but Having a hedge against the possibility of a downturn is always a smart thing to do. Birchgold.com slash Ben. That's Birchgold.com slash Ben for the comprehensive information kit. Ask all your questions when you have your answers and you're ready to invest in precious metals. My friends at Birchgold are the folks to talk to. Birchgold.com slash Ben. All righty. So last night, the Grammys. So we're in that time of year when we have an awards show every other week. And no one's actually watching these awards shows. So the ratings last night at the Grammys stunk. According to Deadline Hollywood, back in New York City, for the first time since George W. Bush's first term and drenched in the politics of the Donald Trump era, last night's Grammy Awards was rocking with multiple wins for a very non-political Bruno Mars and a very, very political Kendrick Lamar. It was a three and a half hour long CBS show. Okay, guys, if it's longer than it would take to read the Bible twice, your show is too long. Okay, they also had an audiobook audition cameo by Hillary Clinton, as you will see in just a second. But the ratings stunk. No one wanted to watch this. Why? Because it turns out that watching a bunch of celebrities reward each other and pat each other on the back and then ruffle each other's hair and talk about how brave they are and how wonderful they are is super duper irritating for everyone involved. With the 12.721 in metered market ratings, the Recording Academy's big hootenanny was also way down from the early numbers for the February 13th, 2017, 59th annual show. So that's a 20% decline from last year to this year because no one cares, no one cares. Here's the truth. There are certain artists that a lot of people listen to, but they don't have the same sort of broad cultural appeal that they used to. And I'm, I'm talking about even the biggest stars. Like, they're, they're like Kendrick Lamar. I'm sure there are a lot of youngsters who like the Kendrick Lamar. No one over the age of 35 listens to Kendrick Lamar. Like there's no cross-cultural appeal to a lot of these folks. There's a giant age grit, age gap when it comes to the artists who were being awarded last night, rewarded last night, people like Keisha singing. Like I've never listened to a full Keisha song because I would rather drive wooden spikes into my eyes. Okay, There's no reason to listen to a, to a, to a Keisha song all the way through. Okay, No one ever has done so. Everyone who thinks they've done so was just at a rave and they got super high and then passed out. No one has ever listened to one of these songs all the way through. The only one of these artists who anyone could listen to for any substantial period of time is Bruno Mars, which is why he won awards, right? The only reason that 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 he won is because he's the only person anyone has ever listened to a complete song from. So, they, they have these awards last night, and they decide that it is deeply imperative that we know what they think on politics. Now, this is just about as irritating as when... There are a lot of people who are big fans of pop music, and they get very irritated when I deconstruct the culture. Like, Mike.com did a full piece on how I didn't understand the lyrics to... Cardi B's song that we analyzed last week, right? I said so, right? Like I w- correct. Right? They, they they were confused that I was doing an analysis of Cardi B because I'm not a Cardi B expert. M- yes, this is true, and that's in herein lies the humor, right? Herein lies the humor is that I don't know what the hell these people are talking about, but. The same holds true for all of the artists who think that they know what they're talking about when it comes to politics. So that means that they are just going to revert back to their idol worship for guess who? So Hillary Clinton is back and she is worse than ever. She's obnoxious, she disliked, she's, she is smug, she's arrogant, she's yuck. So they have her on last night and what do they do? They have her read for the audiobook of Fire and Fury. So let's just be clear about Fire and Fury. We've discussed this for weeks. Fire and Fury is Donald Trump fanfic. Okay, Donald. It, it is it is the twilight of leftist orgasmic dreams. It's Donald Trump wandering around the West Wing like a crazy buffoon, eating chicken wings and making his own bed. Right, it's Donald Trump supposedly having an affair with Nikki Haley, which we'll get to in one second. And Hillary Clinton is reading from this fictionalized book, and then we're supposed to believe her when she says things like fake news. We're supposed to believe these people are the real keepers of the truth when they trot out Hillary Clinton, who can't. The, the thing about Hillary Clinton, it must be tough for Hillary Clinton to a certain extent, because you know, there, there's always, if you ever watch a vampire movie, you ever watch a horror movie, and there's always somebody who's wandering around who's 2,000 years old, and they're like, just let me die, and no one will let them die. That's Hillary Clinton, they just keep exhuming her, and then sending her out to talk about politics and put her face in public again. And maybe she runs again in twenty twenty just as a revenge play. But if she does, Trump swamps her because the fact is she is a deeply unpopular politician. She's more unpopular every single day, which is almost impossible, but somehow she has achieved this magnificent feat. So last night at the Grammys, they trot her out again to read from Fire and Fury, this fanfic about Trump. And this was supposed to be the big laugh. Take ONE. He had a longtime fear of being poisoned. One reason why he liked to eat at McDonald's. Nobody knew he was coming, and the food was safety pre-made. That's it. We've got it. That's the one. You think so? Oh, yeah. The grandma's in the bag? In the bag. <laughs> 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 because Hillary's reading, you get it, from a book that's anti-Trump. I hope that Trump spends the entire State of the Union address tomorrow reading Juanita Broderick's autobiography the entire time. You know, just alternate that with excerpts from Clinton Cash. This is so irritating and having it shoved in your face, and look at the cutesy of James Corden. Look how cutesy this whole thing is. It's so cutesy. It's so cutesy because Hillary, she's just like your grandmother from a horror movie who lives in the closet and has been dead for 20 years. Like they just keep bringing her out. Let's point something out here, by the way. They bring out Hillary Clinton to talk fire and fury because she's a feminist icon, right? Hillary Clinton's such a feminist icon. Over the weekend, this news broke, okay, by Maggie Haberman and Amy Chauzek. Hillary Clinton chose to shield a top advisor accused of harassment in 2008. Quote, a senior advisor to Hillary Clinton's 2008 presidential campaign who was accused of repeatedly sexually harassing a young subordinate was kept on the campaign at Mrs. Clinton's request, according to four people familiar with what took place. Wait, you mean that a woman who is so brave, so stunning, who's broken every glass ceiling except the last one left, that that woman left a guy on her campaign who was sexually harassing the help? She would never do anything like that. She would never stay married to such a person. She would never defend such a person and threaten his accuser. She would never do something like that. She is a feminist icon. And then you wonder why we don't take the Democrats seriously? You wonder why we don't take the Grammys seriously? You wonder why we don't take their politics seriously reading from this fire and fury nonsense? And Mrs. Clinton's campaign manager at the time recommended she fire the advisor Burns Strider, which is a hell of a name. Mrs. Clinton did not. Instead, Mr. Strider was docked several weeks of pay in order to undergo counseling and the young woman was moved to a new job. Just like a man to do this just like a man, except she's a woman. Mr. Schreider, who's Mrs. Clinton's faith advisor. Ah, so great. So her faith advisor was sexually harassing the help. She kept him on so he could advise her about faith. Yes, I wonder why the American public did not take Hillary Clinton more seriously. And I wonder why the Hillary Clinton feminist icon shtick just didn't work. I just, I can't imagine why. He sent the candidate scripture readings every morning for months during that campaign. He was hired five years later to lead an independent group that supported Mrs. Clinton's 2016 candidacy, Correct the Record, which was created by David Brock. Nothing says faith advisor, by the way, like working with David Brock, one of the, uh, one of the scuzziest people in the history of mankind. He was fired after several months for workplace issues, including allegations he harassed a young female aide, according to three people close to the Correct the Record management. Hillary Clinton had no statement on this. A spokesman for Mrs. Clinton provided a statement, said to ensure a safe working environment, the campaign had a process to address complaints of misconduct or harassment. When matters arose, they were reviewed in accordance with these policies and appropriate action was taken. This complaint was no exception. Yeah, except for how the guy remained on the campaign and the woman was uh, was apparently banished off to anti-feminist land. But don't worry, Hillary got straight from Fire and Fury at the Grammys because she'll never go away. Now, Nikki Haley came out and slammed Hillary's appearance because she said Fire and Fury uh, is is filled with ridiculous allegations. One of those allegations is really just a rumor that Michael Wolff had put out there, the, the ridiculous author. And that allegation was essentially that uh, that Nikki Haley was having an affair with Trump, which is completely unsubstantiated. And Nikki Haley tweeted, I've always loved the Grammys, but to have artists read the Fire and Fury book killed it. Don't ruin great music with trash. Some of us love music without the politics thrown in it. And everybody on the left went nuts. How dare Nikki Haley sound off about this? So let me, let me just make something clear to, to all you folks on the left with regard to the Grammys. If Nikki Haley sounds off about how a sexist book smears her as having an affair with her boss without any evidence, and then you attack her, you're not a feminist. You're not a feminist. You're a liar. You're somebody who's playing politics. But that's what the entire Grammys was. And we'll have more of that in just a second. More politics at the Grammys. It really didn't stop. And it's it's all, it's so insulting. Again, this is exactly how Trump won. It's people thinking Hollywood values actually have any sort of predominance in the rest of the country. They do not. We'll get to the rest of this in just a second. First, I want to say thank you to our sponsors over at Texture. So, in this day and age, long-form journalism is really making a difference. This entire Me Too movement started because of articles over at The New Yorker. Uh, There there have been great articles lately over at The Atlantic about the the bias on college campuses. Uh, Jordan Peterson, I just read an article in The Atlantic the other day about Jordan Peterson, uh, my friend and professor over in Canada. He's terrific. And Texture is the app that you need to actually get subscriptions to all of your favorite magazines. So, with the Texture app, you have unlimited access to over two premium magazines and you can try texture for free again you can try it for free and they have unlimited access to 200 premium magazines it is a fantastic fantastic app not only is it a fantastic app it means that you can also get their back issues you can get all the new information as it breaks you can have all your favorite magazines back issues anytime anywhere go to texture.com ben and when you do that you get a free trial plus if you choose to continue my podcast listeners get a texture app for just $9.99 a month which is 30 percent off their listed price you're getting a discount. And again, a subscription to two of these magazines will cost you $9.99 a month. If you get 200 magazines for $9.99 a month, that's a hell of a deal. I mean, it is just, you're sitting at the airport and you don't have anything better to do. You pull up your Texture app and suddenly you're having information mainlined in your brain. This is just what happens with Texture. Texture.com slash Ben. Again, that's Texture.com slash Ben. It's all your favorite magazines. I mean, it's everything from Architectural Digest and National Geographic to ESPN the Magazine and Rolling Stone, Newsweek, Vanity Fair, Time, they, like, all, all of the top magazines uh, are just are, are available here, and they're all great, so check it out. Uh, texture.com, check out that app. Okay, so I'm back to the Grammys. So it wasn't just Hillary Clinton at the Grammys. It was also all of these artists who feel the need to sound off about Trump, as though I give a crap what Bono thinks about Trump. I don't give... Uh, the, the number of, of craps that I give about Bono um, is, is zero, just to be blunt. Okay, so Bono, uh, in the middle of his song... He's singing, I don't know what song he's singing. Bono's so over the top, I can't I can't tell Bono. So anyway, Bono is singing and he says, blessed are the bleephole countries in the middle of his song. Oh, how clever he is. Oh, I'm so bored. Blessed are the bleephole countries because they gave us the American dream. First of all, I'm so bored of you two. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm so bored of them. That sound, the, the, the reverberating guitar and the, and the Bono singing in his strangely muted voice. I'm so bored with it. But beyond that, put aside the artistry of it. That doesn't even make any sense. Listen, are the bleephole countries because they gave us America? No, that's, people left because they were terrible. Like, what you'd really want to say is, wouldn't you want those countries not to be bad? That's like saying, blessed is the abusive home that gave us Beethoven. Like, Couldn't you just like, be thankful for Beethoven and not the fact that his father used to wake him up in the middle of the night and smack him on the knuckles every time he made a mistake while he was practicing? Like, how, about, how about that? Like, this is, That's such a nonsensical statement. Blessed are the bleephole countries because they gave us Americans. Listen, my ancestors came here from Russia. That didn't make, like, not bless Russia, right? The only blessing my ancestors were saying about Russia was the same blessing, the same fiddler on the roof. God bless and keep the czar far, far away from us. And nobody is interested in being in, the, like, the reason people are leaving is because these countries aren't great. And we have, we have a, a nanny. The nanny is from El Salvador. Okay, El Salvador is having serious problems right now. I'm super grateful for our nanny. She's a wonderful, wonderful person. I love her. She's terrific. My wife and I, we, we are so grateful for her. We're not grateful that El Salvador is having problems right now. We're not grateful that that Honduras is having problems right now. Like, we're not grateful that these bleephole countries supposedly are, are having troubles. Like, that, What? But this is the whole thing, right? It's slapping Trump. And look, look, how, look how diverse he is. He's so diverse. Oh, you two, And he's so meaningful. Look, look at Bono. Every time, the, looking up to the sky, I, 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 as, as a musician for many, many years. Uh, my favorite violinist, as is every violinist's favorite violinist, is Yasha Heifetz. One of the things I love about Yasha Heifetz is that there is no histrionics. Yasha Heifetz, when he plays the violin, go look at a tape of him. He is just stone-faced. He just plays. And it's great. One of the things I hate the most about modern music is that modern music is all based on energy and histrionics. It's all based on you making faces while you sing and looking up to the sky like Bono. Look at him looking up to the sky with his red, white, and blue with his red, white, and blue loudspeaker. By the way, Bono's not American, is he? Does he have American citizenship? I don't know. I don't think so. In any case, it's just it's, it's all irritating. And then it wasn't just that. Trevor Noah, of course, shows up a man in running gun battle with Samantha Bee for least funny human being. He shows up at the Grammys to talk about Trump. As I mentioned, uh, Trevor Noah had invited me on his show. I said, I will do it if it's live. I will not do it if it's taped because I'm not going to allow you to cut me up because that's what they do. They did it to Jonah Goldberg, not gonna do it with them. So here's Trevor Noah showing up to slam Trump. And here's the thing. It's not like they make these jokes about everyone. There's not a Hillary Clinton joke to be seen last night. Hillary Clinton was, making, was there to make fun of Trump. Here is Trevor Noah showing up to slam Trump. That was amazing. I love that song, man. Like, I love that song. It takes me back, you know, like way back to when Trump wasn't president. He's so funny. <laughs> it takes him back to when Trump wasn't president. I don't know. Is that a punchline? It, it is amazing to me that some of these people have careers. Uh, Trevor Noah is, is certainly among them. So. It turns out that when you alienate half the country and when you shout about how stupid they are and when the entire evening is just about how much you hate the presidents of the United States, no one wants to watch, which is why the ratings are down. Also, no one listens to this music. So it wasn't just that. It was also feminism at the Grammys. So everyone at the Grammys now has to posture about how they are for women. They are all for women. By the way, how many women won last night? Any guesses? Any guesses? One. Okay, so one woman won last night. (laughs) Which is sort of humiliating to all of the all of the Grammy "We Love Women" routine, but just like at the at the Golden Globes and at the Emmys, they're going to do this. We stand for women. Times up. Me too. Okay. Epicenter. uh, Epicenter of sexual abuse of women is in the musical world. The epicenter, okay, or the center, if you don't want to make earthquake analogies. The center of abuse of women in the entertainment world is the music industry. Okay. Half the people who are up for Grammys last night have been credibly accused of harassing women. A huge, I mean, just, just the rap community alone, right? The people who are in the rap community, how many of them have been, have been indicted? How many of them have been arrested for abusing women? The, the list is just enormous. It goes on and on and on. And yet here they, all, they, they were all talking about how time's up. We're all standing up. We're all standing up to men who abuse women. Really? Then call, up, call out some of the men in the audience. How about that? We know, they, they all know who these guys are. Yeah, they're, they're, the, the idea that everybody in the audience is, is all... For women. The number of men who have abused women in that audience, it, it makes the Oscars blush. It makes the Oscars blush. Here's Janelle Monet uh, talking about Time's Up, and every headline last night was, powerful message about the Me Too movement, powerful message about Time's Up, powerful, powerful message. Listen, I'm in favor of the Me Too movement so long as the Me Too movement is, not a, is about not abusing women. I was, bu- I was about not abusing women long before any of these other people were about not abusing women, presumably, because I've been talking about it my entire career. But... Not a single name was named last night. Not a single person was called out last night. So it's all, it's all, just, a, it's all just a double game. Here's Janelle Monet talking about Time's Up. We are also daughters, wives, mothers, sisters, and human beings. We come well, in peace, beings. but we mean business. <laughs> and to those who would dare try and silence us, we offer you two words times up. Who's trying to silence these people? I mean the, the, this whole notion that there's a bunch of people out there trying to silence you. Talk as much as you want. It's great. You know, you want to talk about how you want to call the abusers out. Let's call the abusers out. You know what else let's do? Let's talk about degra- degradation of women. How about that? Let's talk about men who degrade women. And women who degrade women by the way. Women can also degrade women, it turns out. Let's talk about the fact that Me Too and Times Up were supposedly not just about abusive women. They were also about female dignity, right? They're supposed to be about men not treating women like sexual objects and women treating themselves as, as free creatures capable of making rational decisions. right? It's all about people's autonomy. And it's all about people treating themselves with the dignity necessary in order to lead a good life. And men treating women with the dignity that they deserve. Right? That's what Time's Up and Me Too are supposed to be about. So, Keisha, uh, whose, lesson, whose, whose stage name is spelled with a dollar sign, which I don't really understand, it was their typo on her birth certificate. In any case, Keisha sang at the Grammys with a bunch of other women. And again, this one got a lot of of play because it's all about respect, don't you see? It's all about dignity because nothing says dignity quite like the top of this woman next to her. I don't know who that is. But it's all about respect and dignity. Again, if we're just talking, here's the thing. If the Me Too movement were just about don't abuse women, then wear whatever you want, okay? But if it's about female dignity, if it's about the idea that women are supposed to be more than sex objects, here's an idea, don't act like a sex object. I'm mildly controversial, I know. Mildly controversial. But if you are expecting men to look at you as more than a sex object, perhaps you should not walk around dressed like a sex object. I'm not saying men should look at you like a sex object no matter what you wear. But life is filled with realities that you may not enjoy. Anyway, here is Keisha's Grammy performance. Kesha, who cares? Hey, okay. yeah. Oh, so moving, so moving, so moving. I've I've been informed that this person's name is Kesha, not Keisha. Uh, I do not care, in the slightest. And when I talk about histrionics, this is the histrionics. Again, I would take all of this about women's dignity a little bit more seriously if Kesha didn't make songs like this one. says female dignity quite like that lyric right there. I mean, really. There's a place downtown where the freaks all come around. It's a hole in the wall. It's a dirty free-for-all. And then they turn me on when they take it off. When they take it off, everybody take it off. There's a place I know if you're looking for a show where they go hardcore and there's glitter on the floor. Yeah, the, the, I, I can't imagine. And People look at Kesha like a sex object? How? I just... I, no. No, no, no. That's unbelievable. No. Okay, again, should you treat women with respect? Of course. Of course. Should women deserve, do women deserve dignity? Yes, but there is such a thing as degrading yourself. And when you degrade yourself, and when you degrade women by extension, it's not good. If a man made a video that looked like this and Kesha were not a famous person, you'd be talking about how the man who directed this video degraded women. That's what you'd be talking about last night. Last night on the Grammys, Rihanna did a performance, and it was, uh, who, what's the name of the guy? It's the guy that you, that you like, Jess. What's, what's the name of that dude? The one who, uh, who shouts, oh, DJ Khaled. Okay, DJ Khaled. So, so DJ Khaled is there, and, he's, and he walks out and he starts rapping, and then Rihanna appears from backstage and starts pelvic thrusting for like five minutes. Okay, if you don't believe that that's a male fantasy, then you're out of your mind. Of course it's a male fantasy. Some guy is there, some fat, ugly guy is there talking about, oh, women, uh, rapping about women, and then out comes a beautiful woman and starts pelvic thrusting? Yes, yeah, so, don't talk to me about female dignity. When you are out, when you are out there trying to—there dr- are so many dignified women. Okay, there's so many women who are striving for dignity. If you think this is what female dignity looks like, you don't know a woman and you have no respect for women. And yes, I'm talking about women who think this is what female dignity looks like. Because if Me Too is about anything, it's supposed to be about more than we don't deserve to be raped, we don't deserve to be sexually assaulted or harassed. It's also about we, we deserve to be treated as dignity, as fully fleshed human beings, as full human beings, not just as objects of sex bearing our all for the pleasure of men. Because let's face it, who do you think is watching Kesha videos? Do you think that it's all a bunch of women, empowered women watching Kesha videos? Or do you think that when she's singing about it being a dirty free-for-all, it's a bunch of guys in their basements jacking off? Which do you think? Just absurd. Okay, so we'll get to more on feminism in just a second. But first, let me say thank you to our sponsors over at Stamps.com. So, <laughs> I mean, th- this stuff is so ridiculous. Okay, so stamps.com is the place that you need to go if you want to get a better price on not only stamps, but all of your post office goods. It also means you don't have to stand in line at the post office. Postage rates have gone up again. Stamps.com keeps your rates down with postage discounts of up to 40%. It saves you three cents on every letter that you send. You're paying 2016 prices for 2018 stamps, and stamps.com automatically calculates and prints the correct amount of postage for every letter or package that you send. All you have to do is print it out directly on the envelope, or print it onto a sticker, or print it onto a piece of paper and tape it onto the envelope, and brings all the services of the US Postal Service right to your fingertips. Doesn't matter how much you like going to the post office, this is more convenient. Stamps.com makes it easy. They'll send you a digital scale to automatically calculate exact postage. Stamps.com even helps you decide the best class of mail based on your needs. Anything you can do at the post office, you can do right now from your desk with Stamps.com. And we here at The Daily Wire use Stamps.com on a a repeated basis because, again, we are ensuring that we are getting the lowest possible price. So go to Stamps.com and you get a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale. Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, type in Shapiro. That's Stamps.com. Use promo code Shapiro so you get the four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale. It's a pretty stellar deal. Stamps.com, promo code Shapiro. Okay. Speaking of of feminism at the at the Grammys, uh, the Grammy-winning new artist, uh, what's her name? Uh, I guess uh, Alyssa Cara, Alessia Cara. I don't know who any of these people are because they're irrelevant to my life except when they show up and bother me. Uh, so this is so she she was speaking out about feminism. Nothing I want to hear more about uh, than the state of the world from a, from a twenty-year-old political know nothing. It's uh, it's always fascinating to me, but I don't think she means anything wrong by this. So she was asked about feminists, and she says she's a feminist, right? She says. Just because Trump is president now, I don't think it's our cue to stop talking about it. We need to fight for more rights because of this. I don't want anyone to feel defeated. First of all, I don't know which rights women are fighting for they don't already have. Women literally have every right that men have. Uh, and a, a couple of additionals, like you're able to go to a doctor and have your baby killed in the months. that's exciting. And she says, the definition of feminism is equality for all genders. It's not saying women are superior. It's not anti-men, it's equality for women. That word has become tainted for many reasons and I just don't understand it. Let me explain. Hey, the reason the word feminism has become tainted is because there have been three waves of feminism. Wave number one was good. Wave number one said women should vote. Women should be treated equally in the workplace. Women should be paid the same for the same work. Women should not be forced into societal boxes. Agree, fantastic. Then there was second wave feminism. Second wave feminism said marriage is bad, marriage is stupid. And if you're engaged in marriage, it's sort of Betty Friedan feminism, then you're engaged in a kitchen holocaust is some of the language that was actually being used at the time. Then there was third wave feminism that said that women and men are essentially the same. Right? There's no difference between women and men. Okay, so if you just said, are men and women to be treated equally, of course, I agree. But the problem is the word feminism has been hijacked, and now it's meant to use everything from man-hating nonsense to, I get to kill my baby whenever I say I want to kill my baby. And So Trump was asked about feminism in an interview with the execrable Piers Morgan of, uh, of I will say Shapiro fame, since I blew him up on his own show. Um, but you know, President Trump w- was asked about feminism, and Piers Morgan uh, asks him about it. Here, here is, here is uh, a great cavalcade of genius, President Trump with Piers Morgan. Do you identify as a feminist? Are you a feminist? No, I wouldn't say I'm a feminist. I mean, if, I think that would be maybe going too far. I'm, I'm for women. I'm for men. I'm for everyone. I think, men, I think people have to go out. They have to go out and really do it, and they have to win. And, that's what ha- and women are doing great, and I'm happy about that. Okay, so here's the problem with what Trump is saying. So Trump is is saying, right, he's just not clever enough, so what he should have said is, if by feminist you mean should men and women be treated equally, the answer is of course I'm a feminist. If by feminism you mean am I anti-marriage, Am I in favor of abortion? Am I in favor of the idea that women are, are somehow victimized in, in the United States? No, then I'm not a feminist if, those, if that's your terminology. Like he should distinguish the term. This is something the left likes to do. They will take a popular term and then they will in, infuse it with a meaning that has nothing to do with that original meaning. So, the, so they do this with, uh, with civil rights. right? They'll say, that, so they'll say, are you for civil rights? You say, yes, I'm for civil rights. I believe that everyone should have the same rights. And they'll say, well, are you for the idea that a man is a man and a woman is a woman? You'll say, yeah. I say, well, then you're not for civil rights. Whoa, how'd you get from point A to point B now? Well, what's this? Like, why is civil rights about me pretending a man is a woman and a woman's a man? How did that turn into a civil right? So they take these these generic terms that originally have a meaning that's non-generic, and then they fill them with another meaning, and then they're shocked when you say, I'm not a feminist. So by the original definition, am I a feminist? Yes, I'm a feminist. Not only am I a feminist, when I was growing up, my dad was in the house. My dad was a house husband, basically. My dad stayed home and took care of the kids and my mom was working, okay? And in my house, I spend an enormous amount of time with my kids because, have you heard this? It's a rumor, my wife's a doctor, so she spends a lot of time out of the house. Okay, so that means that I'm home a lot with my kids. And that's great. I want my wife to feel fulfilled in her career. It's important to me. Okay, So by any definition, any standard definition, I'm a feminist. But Am I in favor of pretending that Caitlyn Jenner is a woman? Am I in favor of being anti-feminist enough to believe that a man can be a woman? Am I in favor of the idea that a woman is a woman and therefore can kill babies? No, I'm not in favor of any of those things. So I guess that makes me not a feminist. So when Trump says he's not a feminist, does it mean he's anti-woman? No, I think that's the distinction Trump's trying to draw. He just does it badly here. Now, that wasn't the only only kind of landmine Trump stepped on over the weekend. So over the weekend, he got in a fight with Jay-Z, which is just what America needs, I think, is this fight between Jay-Z and the President of the United States. Uh, Jay-Z, who is, um, by virtually all accounts, it's amazing to me that Jay-Z is being held up as some sort of halcyon of decency. Okay, Jay-Z not only started off as a drug dealer, but Jay-Z, in the very recent past, was in serious trouble because he was cheating on Beyonce, right? Wasn't that the story? That was the the allegation, anyway, was that he was cheating on Beyonce. I think it was more than an allegation, considering that Solange was basically beating the crap out of him in an elevator, <laughs> if I remember this correctly. Um, but he is... Uh, he, he got his, his career started by dealing drugs and then I believe he was nearly convicted for stabbing a guy. Was that the, was that the idea? I don't want to get the, the legal allegation wrong. But uh, he was involved uh, in, in, in October 2001. He pled guilty to stabbing Lance Rivera at the Kit Kat Club in New York City in 1999. He was sentenced to three years probation. So he's a real class act, is this Jay-Z fellow. Uh, so Jay-Z is being held up as some sort of racial healer on, uh, on Van Jones' show. I like Van a lot, but Van's politics are utterly insane. Uh, And so here's Van Jones asking Jay-Z about how the world should go. He is somebody who's now saying, look, I'm growing, uh, I'm dropping black unemployment. Uh, Black people are doing well under my administration. Um, uh, Does he have a point that maybe the Democrats have been giving us good lip service but no jobs? Maybe he's going to say terrible things but put money in our pocket. Does that make him a good leader? No, because it's not about money at the end of the day. Money is not doesn't equate to like happiness. It doesn't. It's, that's that's not missing the whole point. Okay, so he's saying that, that Trump's language is divisive. I actually agree that a lot of Trump's language is divisive. I've said so on the show. I've, I ripped him after the after the Charlottesville protests, for example. Uh, I, I ripped him after the after the bleep comments. I suggested that while some of that was somewhat defensible, it's really stupid. And uh, if the Haiti comments were right, then that was actually a serious problem. I've I've, I've been on the same page as Jay-Z actually on some of this stuff, but using Jay-Z as sort of the model for for behavior, like who you are matters when you say this kind of stuff. So Trump of course fires back and here's what he has to say about Jay-Z. He tweets this out. Somebody please inform Jay-Z that because of my policies, black unemployment has just been reported to be at the lowest rate ever recorded. Okay, so to be fair to Jay-Z, that was actually in the question from Van Jones, right? Van Jones says Trump says that the black unemployment rate's really low. What do you say? But Trump is right that black Americans are faring well economically under the under the Trump administration. It does go to the idea, by the way, that not everything that is not everything that is economic is is the extent of the presidential impact, right? I mean, what we say actually matters. It's one of the reasons I thought that Barack Obama was, was extraordinarily. Divisive. But Van Jones responds by saying America would be better off if Trump were more like Jay-Z. And, you know, hip-hop is usually all accusation and boasting. <laughs> he comes on confessional, and then the, but the politicians are all accusational and boasting hmm. uh, Donald Trump and no confession from Donald Trump. So if you want to listen to what Jay-Z says, follow Jay-Z's model, Mr. President. He's he's a strong guy. He's a rich guy, but he's willing to be confessional. He's willing to grow in public. If you do the same thing, America be a lot better off. Yeah. So Jay Z is willing to be growing, willing to grow in public. Now, I'm just going to show you a picture real quick of a, of a necklace that Jay Z is uh, famously wore to a to a Nets game. Okay, that is the five nec- percent necklace. That is an offshoot of the Nation of Islam, and uh, and they say and does the five percent that white people are weak and wicked, and that black men hold the power of God. So there are a bunch of people who came forward and said, well, he didn't really mean all of that, right? He didn't really mean all of that stuff. What he really meant was just that, you know, black men should be powerful. Okay, then don't wear a symbol that is associated with the nation of Islam. Okay, so I just, I failed to understand. Can't we have like two public figures that are not particularly great? You know, Trump versus Jay-Z is the fight that America doesn't need, but definitely deserves, I think. You know, as we continue, we're gonna talk about Trump on immigration, release the memo. We have a lot more to get to, but first, I wanna say thank you to our sponsors over at one 800 So. Valentine's Day is coming, and you don't want your loved one to be bereft. You don't want your loved one to look at you and think, wow, what a garbage human being. Didn't even send me flowers on Valentine's Day. So avoid that fate at 1-800-Flowers. Right now when you order early, you get 12 multicolored roses for just $19.99, or you can double it to 24 multicolored roses for only $10 more. Great offer from 1-800-Flowers. Again, 12 multicolored roses from $19.99. Double it for 10 bucks more. They last longer, they are better, they are fresher than the stuff that you get at the grocery store. They are picked at 1-800-Flowers. They pick them at their peak, and they ship overnight to ensure, fresh, uh, to ensure freshness and uh, ensure that, that your wife or loved one loves them. Bouquet prices are going to be going up soon, so take advantage right now. Pick your delivery date. Let 1-800-Flowers handle the rest. When it comes to Valentine's, don't settle for anything less than my rose authority, 1-800-Flowers.com. So, again, order a dozen multicolored roses, $19.99. Upgrade to 24 multicolored roses for just 10 bucks more. Go to 1-800-Flowers.com. Click on the radio icon, enter promo code Shapiro. That's 1-800-Flowers.com, promo code Shapiro. Listen, you're going to have to uh, make it up to her. You're going to spend Super Bowl Sunday ignoring her, and she's going to feel terrible about everything. And that's why it is best, if you don't waste time, you go go right now, pre-schedule the order, like before you forget, do it right now. You're going to thank yourself when on Valentine's Day, you think, oh God, panic. Do I have to go over to the local grocery store? And then you think, oh no, three weeks ago, when Shapiro mentioned it, I went over and I actually ordered the flowers. So 1-800-Flowers.com, Promo code SHAPIRO, and you get 24 multicolored roses for 10 bucks more, so for 29 99 and a dozen multicolored roses for nineteen ninety nine. So check it out, 1-800-Flowers.com. Use promo code SHAPIRO so they know that we sent you. Okay, meanwhile, Trump on immigration. So one of the things that is, that is allowing Trump to continue to maintain, to continue to get his agenda done, is the fact that the left have completely lost their mind on every issue. So it's not enough for them to critique President Trump in the normal ways. They have to go full-on Hollywood hysterical. They have to do all of the nonsense that Hollywood does. Everything has to be turned up to 11. So last week, President Trump releases his new immigration proposal. His new immigration proposal legalizes status for 1.8 million illegal immigrants. And the number of illegal immigrants covered by President Obama's DACA, his Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals amnesty, was 700,000. So Trump nearly tripled it. Trump nearly tripled it. Okay? And in in one second, I'm going to explain what it is that Democrats... uh, I'm going to explain what it is that Democrats... Have, uh, have done here because it's, it's truly insane. First, you're going to have to go over to dailywire.com and subscribe. For nine 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 99 a month, you can get a subscription to dailywire.com. When you do, you get the rest of my show live, Andrew Clavin's show live, Michael Moles' show live. You get to be part of our mailbag on Fridays. And when you get the annual subscription, you also get this, the very greatest in all beverage vessels, the leftist tiers, hot or cold, tumbler. Ooh, look how shiny. Ooh, look how magnificent. How oh, the weight of this thing. You get that with the annual subscription for $99 a year. So you get that for a significantly better price than the, than the monthly subscription. Check that out. Also, tomorrow, right? Is tomorrow the 30th? Yes, it is. Tomorrow is the 30th. The President of the United States will be boring the nation in his second State of the Union address. I hate the State of the Union. I don't care who's speaking it. I hated it when it was Bush. I hated it when Obama. Watch my hate. Watch it burn holes in the walls around me. Watch me converse with Michael Knowles, oh God, and Andrew Claven and Jeremy Boring, and we'll be—they will be smoking cigars, and I will be choking to death. Starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, we'll be hanging out with you for the whole time, leading up to, during, after the address. We'll be analyzing the red carpet. We'll be seeing what they all wear. We'll be seeing who their guests are. And then we'll be waiting for Hillary to read from Fire and Fury. We'll also watch the hilarious rebuttal from Democrats. You know who's speaking for the Democrats? It's, it's a brand new face, a name you've never heard before. Joe Kennedy III. That's right, somebody you've never heard from before, somebody with the last name Kennedy, a unique name in American politics. It's wonderful. Catch live streams at DailyWire.com, DailyWire Facebook, DailyWire YouTube. Spend the evening with me, Andrew Clavin, Michael Knowles, and DailyWire God King Jeremy Boring. I expect you to be there because, for God's sake, if I'm I'm going to sacrifice my evening to this nonsense, then you'd best be there, okay? I do this for you people. I pour my heart out for you people. Be there. We'll also be joined by some special guests at various points in the evening, or maybe not. I don't know. Anyway, that's that's tomorrow, January 30th, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Follow us on Facebook and YouTube. Get notified when we go live so you can spend every terrible moment together. It's a party that you will not want to miss. Watch the misery writ across my face for hours at a time as we do this show tomorrow night. <laughs> check it out. Okay, if you just want to subscribe to the show, then uh, make sure that you go over to SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube is a good place to subscribe. We have all sorts of new videos that are coming out. If you want to see some of the, the video clips that are very funny from my appearance at UConn, uh, then check out our YouTube channel and subscribe over there. We are the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast in the nation. <clears throat> All righty, so back to immigration. So President Trump's immigration plan is much more generous, much more generous than even Barack Obama's was. All he wanted in return was an end-to-chain migration after, like, 17 years, meaning another 4 million illegal immigrants, or uh, 4 million not illegal, 4 million legal immigrants get into the country. Uh, He also wanted an end to the diversity visa lottery, which is a terrible program. Uh, Those were his big changes, right? And he wanted $25 billion of funding for uh, for his magnificent border wall, which apparently will be about 800 miles long. And that's all he wanted out of life, that's, all, that's really all. Okay, and the Democrats thought this was the worst thing ever. So Nancy Pelosi, she of, the, she of the Botoxed brain cells, she came forward and she said, Trump's immigration plan isn't just wrong, it's not just terrible, it's, it's racist, racist, racist. I'm on the subject of dreamers since last night the president put forth a plan. Let me just say what I said last night. That plan is a campaign to make America white again. It's a plan that says over 50% of the current legal immigration will be cut back. Okay, it's just racism. You understand? Racism. Okay, so if you think that the plan is to make America white again, by allowing 1.8 million non-white people to become legal American immigrants, and then another 4 million people who are probably not white to get into the United States, like I'm missing how this works. I'm just missing how this works. And then Bernie Sanders comes forward. And he says, listen, we may not have gotten anything out of that whole government shutdown. We may actually have backfired dramatically, It may have failed pretty dramatically, but it was the right thing to do, just like I talk about socialism and nothing happens, and I come from a state where people keep voting for me. That's the nice thing, when I do the right thing, everyone gives you credit, even when you are useless. You know how many pudding cups I have in my third vacation home? Many, many, many pudding cups of all flavors. I prefer tapioca. But if forced to choose between chocolate and vanilla, I will always take the chocolate vanilla swirl. Bernie Sanders, go. Um, Speaking of fiscal responsibility, though, what do you think your party got out of that three-day shutdown? Was it a good strategy? Yes, I think from a moral perspective, uh, it was the right thing to do. Uh, And that is to say to these 800,000 young people, we are not going to allow them to be subjected to deportation. As Senator Collins just said, many of them uh, came to this country when they were two or three years of age. Uh, They didn't even know that they were not American citizens. So we have got to stand with these young people. Okay, they're not standing with the young people. They're telling the young people they can never become citizens. Okay, this is really what they're saying. They're saying that the young people can never become citizens because it's more important they play political football with all of this. Trump hits the nail on the head. So last week, if you recall, not to say that I'm right about everything, but about virtually everything, I'm right. I was wrong on one big thing, right? The election result in 2016. But on everything else, I am right. My children know this. My employees know this. Of course, they're paid to know this. But the fact is that when it comes to the strategy that was being laid out, a lot of people last week were saying, look at Trump just caving on immigration. Look at him caving on immigration. He's, he's offering this huge immigration package. He's bargaining against himself. And what I said is, look, Trump knows there's no deal forthcoming. So what he's doing is he's posturing. He's saying, look, I am willing to be this generous with the illegal immigrants And Democrats are still not willing to do a deal? Like, I'm giving away the shop and they're not willing to do a deal, which just shows how disingenuous they are, which is correct. And Trump says this out loud. This is one of the things that that is sort of irritating about Trump. I've worked on this story for a year and then he just tweets it out. Uh, What I I love about President Trump is that if you you think that the man thinks strategically, he sometimes does, but then he tweets out his strategy. So here's what he tweeted out. I have offered DACA a wonderful deal including a doubling in the number of recipients, and a 12-year pathway to citizenship for two reasons. One, because the Republicans want to fix a long-time terrible problem. Two, to show that Democrats do not want to solve DACA, only use it. Let's see, whose logic was I suggesting that was last week? Oh, well, that's right. That's exactly what I said last week. So. Point to me, hmm So I was exactly, of course that was the strategy. Democrats were never gonna do a deal, and it does make Democrats look ridiculous and foolish that they continue to push forward this myth that Trump is a giant racist. He's a huge racist, and his racism cannot be contained as he offers a deal that is significantly better than any of the deals that even Obama put on the table. That's pretty astonishing. Now, in breaking news, apparently, let's see if this is true, I just have to, you know, one of the nice things about doing a live show is that when news breaks, news breaks, uh, there's a rumor going around uh, that that Andrew McCabe is about to step down at the FBI. Uh, I'm just going to check that really quickly. He is stepping down apparently. Uh, NBC News is is suggesting that he just quit as Deputy FBI Director. He's going to remain on leave till spring when he can officially retire from the bureau. Uh, the reason that he's doing that is because he wants to maintain his paycheck. Uh, he is he's stepping down right now. Uh, the idea here is that Trump has been attacking him as corrupt. Now, Andy McCabe should have stepped down from the Hillary investigation a long time ago. If you recall, in the text, the reason he's really stepping down here is because the attacks on McCabe have elevated. That's right, they should have elevated because there were new texts that were out between Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, those FBI agents who were who are knocking boots. and uh, And those texts suggested that Andy McCabe could have recused himself from the Hillary investigation, didn't do it earlier, maybe for political reasons, and that he was involved with basically covering for Hillary. According to NBC News, he has stepped down from his post effective immediately. He was reportedly set to retire in March when he's fully eligible for his pension. He'd come under increasing criticism from Republicans over alleged political bias in the FBI and investigations into whether the Trump campaign colluded with Russia during the 2016 election. So the Democrats will try to turn this into Trump somehow obstructed justice here, but It's not clear to me exactly how McCabe voluntarily stepping down amounts to that. He's not being fired. He's just stepping down. But that is the latest breaking news on Andy McCabe. Now, speaking of breaking news, the the Republicans are supposed to vote today in the House Intelligence Committee about releasing the memo. So as you recall, uh, the memo was written by House Intelligence Committee Chairman Devin Nunes, and Devin Nunes wrote this four-page memo that was supposed to summarize all of the problems with the intelligence gathering process when it came to... President Trump and the Trump-Russia surveillance campaign uh, and all the rest. So that memo had been classified. In order for it to be declassified, as we, we asked uh, Representative, uh, uh, um, what's the name of the representative? Jim Jordan. Uh, we asked Representative Jordan from Ohio last week. We asked him about declassification. He said it's a, it's a simple House Intelligence Committee vote. They're supposed to vote today to declassify. Then the President of the United States has seven days to either knock down the declassification or to uphold the declassification. House leader Kevin McCarthy says it's time to release the memo because the public has to see everything. Aren't we separate but co-equal? Don't we have a view? Don't we have the responsibility for oversight? And you, the Justice Department will be able to see it because you have the executive branch and you have the legislative branch. And as the legislative branch looks at it, it will send it to the executive branch beforehand. They have the approval whether to declassify and put it forward. So they will have the opportunity do you want the president, if the committee. Do you want the president to declassify this memo? Having read this memo, I think it would be appropriate that the public has full view. of So, as I said, my view here is that we should declassify everything, right? Declassify this memo, the Democrats have their own memo, declassify the underlying materials so far as it doesn't compromise national security. There's too much swirling around. There's too much swirling around. There are people complaining, oh, no, the, there was a FISA warrant taken out on, on Carter Page. Was it based on the dossier? Okay, maybe it was based on the dossier, maybe it wasn't. We'll find out when you release the memo and when you release all of the underlying information. Right now, I just have two sides yelling at each other, and that's not useful for anything. All that's happening is chaos, right? There's a feeling of chaos. And of course, the media wish to play up the feeling of chaos. Democrats wish to exacerbate the feeling of chaos. And then Republicans, in response, wish to generate their own tornado of chaos in order to prevent any sort of narrative from forming that Trump was obstructing justice on all of this. So we'll bring you all the latest on on all of this uh, in, in just a few minutes because it's, it really is kind of insane. First, let's do some things I like and some things that I hate. So, time for some things I like. First thing that I like. So, just to contrast music with non-music, the Grammy Awards, which are filled with, uh, with, filled with nonsense and, and yuck, uh, I want to contrast that with actual godly music. This would be the music of Johann Sebastian Bach, so there's a good biography of Bach. I'm doing a lot of musical biographies lately. I, I finished the, uh, the Brahms biography that I've been reading, and it's just fantastic. John Elliott Gardner has a very good book about Bach. It's called Bach, Music in the Castle of Heaven. And he talks about Bach's life and, and his music. Bach is one of the rare composers who actually had a relatively happy life. If you look at Beethoven and Brahms, these are guys who were single until they died, never had any children. Bach had a bunch of kids, including some kids who were more famous than he was in their time. Carl Phil, uh, uh, Philip Emanuel, C.P.E. Bach was a more famous composer than Johann Sebastian, actually. Johann Sebastian was famous for being a great organist, um, but his music itself wasn't really amply discovered until a little bit later. He became the basis for everything. There's a famous story about Mozart that Mozart was in the middle of of writing, and he actually discovered Bach's music. Bach's music was rediscovered after 170 years. uh, And when it was rediscovered, uh, then Mozart actually took a break from composing for months to study the counterpoint in Bach. Uh, if you if you look at Bach's music, it very often sounds when when for example when you when you listen to Bach's uh, inventions, his two part inventions, uh, then what you see uh, in in his piano music is the use of counterpoint. Counterpoint is basically two themes that are playing simultaneously, and it sounds like two different instruments are playing simultaneously. Uh, it's it's just brilliantly written. He's also written some of the most beautiful music that's ever been written. Uh, so, we'll, 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 you know, we'll have to play some Bach this week. I'll pick some favorite pieces of mine that are, that are Bach, because um, they really are spectacular. Okay, other things that I like. So, uh, the one thing at the, at the Emmys, uh, at the Grammys, rather, that were pretty great, uh, that was pretty great. Joy Villa, uh, who has been a guest, I believe, on Michael Moles' show, uh, she showed up last year wearing a Make America Great Again dress, and it made all sorts of headlines, so she knows what she's doing. So, this was pretty great. She showed up at the Grammys today, yesterday, uh, wearing a white dress, and then in the corner of the dress, if you can't see this in the corner of the dress, uh, she is wearing uh, what looks like a fetus in the womb, and then her purse is painted on it. Choose life, so she's wearing a pro-life thing to the Grammys. Good for her. Good for her. You know, put aside people have other issues with Joy Villa. This it, good for her that she has the guts to actually come forward and represent a pro-life position in the in the least pro-life place on planet Earth last night uh, at the Grammy Awards. Okay, time for a quick thing I hate, and then I'll do a Federalist paper. So, quick thing that I hate. Um, Okay, so Kirsten Gillibrand it wants to run for president. And she tweeted out last night, she's on The View yesterday, she's going to be the new face of, of, of the, the female candidacies inside the Democratic Party. It'll be a giant fail. If she runs, she will lose. Trump will beat her. Uh, here's what Kirsten Gillibrand tweeted, though. She said, if women made up 51% of Congress, do you think we would still be fighting to protect a woman's right to choose? Do you think the Senate would be voting on a dangerous 20-week abortion ban? Absolutely not. So the idea here is that, of course, identity is politics. If you're a woman, you cannot be pro-life. My wife is a woman, my wife is pro-life. In fact, there was a poll that was done in January, according to Guy Benson. Okay, there's a poll done like this month. 62% of American women favor the idea of a ban on abortion after 20 weeks making exceptions for the life of the mother. 62%, so yes, that vote would still be happening. There was a vote last year that said 42% of women support that idea. If if women made up 51% of Congress, sure, that vote might still be taking place because women are fully capable of being moral. Women are fully capable of realizing that what is growing inside them is a baby and not just a piece of garbage. Kirsten Gillibrand, I'm so sick of the identity politics of the left. It's just, it's mind rotting and soul decaying. Okay, time for a quick Federalist paper. So fortunately, this is a relatively short one, Federalist 13, we've been going through one a week and we are all the way to 13, written by Alexander Hamilton. This one specifically talks about the costs that are saved by a federal government rather than three regional governments. He says, if the states are united under one government, there will be one national civil list to support. Civil list is a term meaning everyone who's hired by the government. If they're divided into several confederacies, there will be as many different national civil lists to be provided for, and each of them as to principal departments coextensive with that, which would be necessary for a government of the whole. So what he's saying is, if you have three federal governments, you have to hire a lot more people. If You have one federal government, you hire fewer people. This was true for most of the, for most of the period of the American Republic. That has not been true for the last hundred years. We now have something like two million people working for the federal government, which is because the federal government has grown and become insane. It's just a giant bureaucracy. Now, he also predicts There are a lot of predictions in the Federalist Papers about what would happen if the country ever broke apart. He says a lot of people think the country would break into three parts. He says it wouldn't. It would break into two. He says it would break into two. Uh, in the case of disunion, they will most naturally lead themselves under two governments. Of course, that came true in the Civil War. So the Foundering Fathers knew the risks of disunion even back when they were writing the Constitution. Okay, we'll be back here tomorrow with all the latest breaking news, and I'm sure there will be much. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. <laughs> the Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Mathis Glover, Executive Producer Jeremy Boring, Senior Producer Jonathan Hay, Our Technical Producer is Austin Stevens, Edited by Alex Zingaro, Audio is mixed by Mike Caromina. Hair and Makeup is by Jesua Alvera, The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire Forward Publishing production. Copyright Forward Publishing 2018. We'll get to more on this in just one second first.